0: Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 3rd of May, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. It is Tuesday. There was no podcast yesterday, obviously, because it was a bank holiday. So we thought we'd have, well, I thought we'd have the day off. Uh, So I'm not going to go back over all the games from the weekend. I can't even be bothered talking about the United game last night. They beat Brentford 3-0. They played quite well. Cristiano played well for the second time in three games. And now we're being told he wasn't the problem at all. Look at what he did against Brentford. Look at what he did against Arsenal. Well, last time I checked, they lost against Arsenal. And Brentford weren't all that good. So... They're not really all that impressive. He's got the most goals in the league uh, since March. The first great uh, one against Brentford, three against Norwich. i um, not really sure what I meant to be overly impressed by. The season started, if nobody nobody noticed, the season started in August. Now didn't start till September for him. But, you know, September, October, November, December, January and February, they all happened. Those months all occurred. That was six months where he wasn't very good. And those months are the reason why United are going to miss top four. This notion that, you know, where would they be without Cristiano? Well, Last season, they finished second without him. Um, This season, they're going to finish on maximum 64 points. Last season, they had 74. Last season, they scored 73 goals. Uh, It's unlikely that they'll score 16 goals in the remaining two games. They've conceded 52 this season. That's already eight more than they conceded last season. If we compare it to the year before, Well, they finished with 66 points and the season before that they finished with 66 points. So regardless, this is going to be their lowest points total in quite a while. You can even go back 17, 18, uh, United finished with 81 points. Uh, Where are we here? 16, 17, they finished with 69 points, 15, 16, it was 66 points and 70 points in 14-15. So United are going to finish with a much lower points total than they've had in recent years. Um, Their goal scoring has been significantly worse than recent years. So I don't really... They're going to finish with the same points total they did the year of David Moyes. The year of David Moyes, which I believe is their lowest points total in the Premier League era. Because Ferguson was there before that, and he would have murdered people if they finished with sixty-four points. Uh, I would imagine. I would imagine this is close on the worst defensive record they've had in the Premier League era. Uh, I'm certainly not seeing anything to threaten that view. Oh, no, I tell a lie, 18-19, they conceded 54 goals. Well, they might well get to that this season. Uh, So it would be the second worst goal-scoring season in the Premier League era. Uh, Sorry, goal-conceding season in the Premier League era. And again, in terms of goals scored, I think there was one Mourinho year where they scored, yeah, 54 goals. So again, this would be probably their second worst goal-scoring season. Uh, So this, in tally, will be their worst season in Premier League history, one way or another. They scored more and conceded less in the Moyes season. So I'm not sure there's any case to be made that this season he has helped anything. It's going to be their worst Premier League season And if they don't win both of their remaining games, it'll be their worst points total. And they've got Brighton away and Crystal Palace away. They're difficult games. Brighton are in decent form at the minute. Palace will have a little bit to play for, a little bit to prove. Can we really argue that it's been a successful signing when he's led them to their worst season in their Premier League history, where their goal difference is plus five. Plus five. Last season, plus 29. Season before, plus 30. Season before that, plus 11. So that was bad, but it was still better than this. Season before that, plus 40. 25. 14, 25, and 21. That's the post-Ferguson era. This is set up to be their worst goal difference as well. So probably lowest points tally, at best, joint worst, second worst defensive record, second worst scoring record, worst points differential, or goal differential. There's just no argument to made that this season has been good and he is part of why it's been so poor. Like, the rest of the players didn't just get bad by themselves. They got bad in part because they were having to alter the games to play to his strengths. And he's not good enough to carry a team to an elite level anymore. You can't play to his strengths and win anything now. Juventus found that out last season. United found it out this season. This was a team that were title challengers pre-season. Everybody had them in, at worst, their top four, but many people had them finishing in the top three. Some people had them winning the league. And they're going to finish sixth. And the only reason, by the way, they're going to finish sixth is because West Ham have fallen apart in the second half of the season. because their owners didn't back Moyes in January. So I'm not going to hear arguments that Cristiano has been a good signing for United. I don't want to hear where would they be without him because they were doing absolutely fine without him. They were better without him. Bruno Fernandes was better without him. Marcus Rashford was better without him. The team as a whole were just flat out better without him. Without him. Anthony Martial was better without him. So, I don't want to hear that. It's absolute nonsense. Yes, he scores his goals. What else does he do? What else does he do? On a game-to-game basis, from August to May, what does he do? This idea that his hold-up play has been elite for months. Nonsense. That his link play has been great all year. Nonsense. He's the worst pressing forward in the league. He does absolutely nothing off the ball. The runs he makes are solely to benefit him, not to benefit the team, not to create space for others. He's great at getting his, not so much at getting anybody else involved. And you can point to the Arsenal game, Brentford, all you want. They lost the Arsenal game. Maybe Brentford. Like, what do you want, A, Blue Peter badge. He beat a team that's 14th in the league. Anyway, we're going to do winners and losers from the weekend. First winner is Arsenal. Big win at the weekend. That's three big wins in a row for the Gunners. They beat Chelsea, they beat United, and they beat West Ham. They have worked their way through. The hardest part of their running with three straight wins, that was coming off the back of three straight defeats to Palace, Brighton, and Southampton. Now, I still think they're fugazi. United are not good. West Ham's form has been awful, and Chelsea, as anybody who saw them the weekend knows, are completely checked out. But Arsenal are now in a position where if they don't finish fourth, it's a complete bottle job. They get Leeds at home. Then they have to go to Tottenham. Now, when they're playing, on the weekend they play Leeds, Tottenham has to play Liverpool. So in all likelihood, if Arsenal win that game, they will extend their lead over Tottenham to five points. Which means they can go to Tottenham and lose And still have the two-point cushion. Then they play Newcastle away on a Monday night. It's a game they should win. And then they play Everton at home on the final day. I don't believe this is a good team. I don't believe in the manager at all. I think they've got some exceptional young players. Some fantastic individuals. But as a team, not so much. But I think it speaks more to what the league is right now. There are two good teams, two really good teams. And the rest are varying degrees of meh. Chelsea are capable of being good. They're also capable of being terrible. Arsenal are capable of good performances. They're also capable of terrible performances. And they yet to show me they can do it against an elite side when it really matters. Now, the last three results are impressive, but... Chelsea haven't looked like an elite side in a while. Arsenal, uh, sorry, United certainly aren't an elite side. And like I said, West Ham's recent form has been shocking. So they're they're going to probably get top four this year. And that's massive for them. In particular, because this is sort of a weird one-year window. Because you'd imagine, assuming Conte stays at Spurs, Spurs will be much improved next season with a pre-season and a full year under him. United can't get worse. They just they can't get worse. And without European football, or, or at least without a uh, Europa League run, West Ham should be improved next season as well, as well. You'll also get an improved Leicester City next year. It'll be interesting to see what Newcastle are like next year. You'd imagine Villa will be improved next year. So the league is going to get tougher next year. And in particular, that battle for fourth is going to get tougher with Tottenham and United expected to improve. But the gulf of 19 points from second to fourth really does speak to where the league is at the minute. Um, But Arsenal, big win. All they can do is win their games. Win three of your last four, and you are going to be in the Champions League next season. That's it. Simple as that. Barring a miracle where Tottenham beat Liverpool, Arsenal only have to go and win their other games. They can even afford to lose to Spurs. If Spurs draw with Liverpool, Arsenal can still lose to Spurs and qualify as long as they win their other three games. So they're the first winner of the weekend. Second winner of the weekend, I'm going to say and say Burnley to come from behind the way they did late on at Watford showed massive fight, showed real determination. And I think, I think, should be enough to keep them up. They've still got four games left, but Villa at home and Newcastle at home are games I'd expect them to win. That'll get them to 40, and I think they'll be fine. It wouldn't surprise me if they got something at Villa Park. They might even draw both games. I think they'll win one of them and probably lose the other. But I think Burnley should be okay. They're in the best form of anyone at the bottom of the table right now. Um, Ten points from their last four games is, is really big at this point in the season. As far as losers go, West Ham, first big lose of the weekend. Losing that game to Arsenal it ends any chance they have of not just Champions League football, because that was done and dusted, but they're not going to make Europa League for next season either. Unless they win the Champions League, or the the Europa League rather, they're going to be playing Conference League next season, which isn't ideal. And even that, even that's at risk, because Wolves are only three points behind and have a game in hand. Now, West Ham's last three games sees them play Norwich, Man City and Brighton. That Norwich game could be tricky depending on what happens this week against Frankfurt. If they win against Frankfurt and they're in celebration mode, Norwich could sneak up on them. If they win against Frankfurt, they're not playing any first team players against City because the final of the Europa League would be three days later. And then the Brighton game will be neither here nor there. So they might throw that the rest of the season away domestically. Wolves have a really tough run-in, but if they beat Norwich, even if they lose the other three games, which are Chelsea, City and Liverpool, and the goal difference works its way out, they could end up getting seventh. They could also beat Chelsea because, well, Chelsea are a bit poor at the minute, but Wolves have lost three in a row. I don't really expect much from Wolves. I expect West Ham to finish seventh and end up in the Conference League. But West Ham's form It just has fallen off. Like, if you look at them up until the 21st, sorry, the 21st game of the season, the 12th of January, they were in the top four. Then they lose back to back games at home to Leeds and away to United. Away to United didn't seem as bad a result at the time, but at home to Leeds was terrible. They draw away to to Leicester, they draw at home to Newcastle. Bad results. Especially that Newcastle one. That was before Newcastle really took off. Losing to Liverpool's fine. Losing to Tottenham's fine. The defeat to Brentford, not good. Draw at home with Burnley, not good. Lost away to Chelsea. Lost at home to Arsenal. Since the middle of January, only four league wins. Three draws... seven defeats in their last 14 games. Seven defeats in the last 14 games. They only lost six in the first 21. Now, none of that is on Moyes. None of it's on the players. It's entirely on the owners who failed to back Moyes in January. All they needed to do was bring in one or two good squad players who would allow them to rest players over the course of the second half of the season. Instead, they went the propaganda route. Oh, West Ham are in for Darwin Nunes. Look at the ambition. West Ham bid 50 million for Rafinha. Look at the ambition. West Ham bid for England midfielder Calvin Phillips. Look at the ambition. Were any of those bids ever going to get accepted? Did anyone really think Leeds were going to sell Rafinha or Phillips in January as they fought against relegation? Did anyone really think Darwin Nunes was going to leave a Champions League run with Benfica to go to West Ham? When come the summer, Europe's top clubs will line up for him? They didn't think any of those bids were getting accepted. Those were not real bids. Those were, look how ambitious we are kind of moves. Those were propaganda. Those were headline grabbers. Those weren't what West Ham needed. What West Ham needed was Marcus Turam for £8 million as a backup option to... Mikel Antonio. What West Ham needed was a central defender to come in and give them some depth, some quality. What West Ham needed was a good backup left back or a central midfielder so that Mark Noble wasn't having to play. Florian Grillich, who's out of contract in the summer, probably could have been had for about 10 million. He would have been massive for them. Him, Marcus Turam, you might have got Matthias Ginter in January for eight, 10 million out of contract this summer. Those three, and any decent left back that could have just given you five to six games across the back half of the season. You could have got all of that done for less than 40 million. And seeing as you were allegedly willing to spend 50 and 60 million on players that weren't going to join you, was that money not there? You know, was the money ever there is the real question. Was was there any money to spend or was that just a, We don't actually have money to spend, so let's go and pretend we do by throwing out some big bids that aren't going to get accepted. Because Leeds were never selling, and Darwin was never going there. The only other move that they made that got reported heavily was Zabata from Atalanta, but they left it far too late. Now, that would have been a good signing. It was a loan, I think, with an option to buy. Newcastle had also tried to buy it but there were so many good options out there in january you know you look at the players out of contract this summer surely you could have picked up three or four really good squad players and three or four you didn't well you probably did you probably you probably are short three or four good squad players they're short a couple of starters for the summer as well but that's neither here nor there for now all they needed in january was good squad players, players that with a bit of experience that could be dropped into games and give them seven out of ten, and give rests to the players that. Have. Hassan Kamara went to Watford for what six million. You couldn't have got him. Marcel Halstenberg. I know. I've I, I know. I focused in the Bundesliga quite a bit here. But Halstenberg is out of contract in the summer. He's very good, can also play centre-back. Lee Buchanan, out of contract at Derby, could have brought him in. That's just two. You know, you could have looked at contracts ending in 2023. There'll be clubs there that will want to get off those players before they hit the last 12 months of their deals. There was no reason no reason at all that West Ham couldn't have added good squad players in January there was plenty of options out there now I, I think they want Tarkovsky I think they've got eyes on him you weren't going to get him in January on the basis that Burnley couldn't afford to let him go but like I said, Ginter was out of contract. Luis Felipe of Lazio, out of contract. Jason Denier of Leon, out of contract. Dan Axel Zagadu, he's young. He's a little bit inexperienced, but he's a decent player. Nicholas Stark, Hertha Berlin, solid player. There were a lot of centre backs available in January. that West Ham could have brought in and brought in at reasonable fees. Same thing goes in midfield. There were midfielders out there, whether they were running up their their contracts or not, it doesn't really matter. You are meant to have a scouting department. I would imagine they gave you a list of players. But Grilich just stands out to me because he's a very good player. And it would be ideal... For West Ham, in how they play and what they want to do, you know John Swift even John Swift from Reading out of contract, you probably could have got him for six eight million. There was just so many options, and they they missed the boat, and it's it's hurt their season. It killed their domestic season, and I'd imagine Moyes is furious. Now look, they still have a big chance of turning around that deficit in the Europa League, getting themselves to the final. And in the final, anything can happen. I think they beat Rangers. I don't know if they beat Leipzig, but I think it'd be a really good game. But yeah, West Ham have to go down as my first loser here. Uh, My second loser, I think Leeds. For them to lose the way they did, and also... Burnley and Everton to win It drags them right at that They might be the one that goes When we look at the remaining games They've got Arsenal You don't expect anything Chelsea maybe Because Chelsea are playing terribly And they've got the FA Cup final A few days later So they might rest a bunch of players Then Brighton at home And then Brentford away You're going to probably need Four points Maybe five. Maybe five. But if they could get a draw at home to Chelsea, beat Brighton, and then go and get a draw away to Brentford, that might be enough for them. Burnley, like I said, Villa, Tottenham, Villa again, and then Newcastle. And then Everton, they've got five games left. They've got a game in hand on the other two. They get Leicester away. Then that game in hand is Watford away. You just don't know Watford. You really just don't know Watford. Then they get Brentford home. Palace home. They're going to have to win both of those. And then Arsenal away. I still think it's Everton that goes, but Leeds are looking... Leads are looking more and more likely. Uh, my third loser then is football, because football lost at Goodison Park at the weekend. With what we saw, it was genuinely an embarrassment from both teams. Genuinely, and the and the home fans, Lampard dismissing all of the ball boys to try and time-waste as much as possible, Pickford's antics, Chelsea's lack of caring, Everton fans refusing to give the ball back and flinging it about amongst themselves. It's, that's just embarrassing stuff. That is genuinely embarrassing stuff. So football lost in that moment. And if I was Thomas Tuchel, I'd be tempted not to play any of those players again, because most of them don't seem to care. They're my winners and losers for the week. Uh, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, there's not a whole lot. We've got some games tonight. We've got some gossip. I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So... We have one game in the Champions League tonight. Liverpool travel to Spain to take on Villarreal. Liverpool are 2 0 up from the first leg. No Firmino for Liverpool tonight, but it looks like no Dan Juma for Villarreal. Gerard Moreno, unlikely to be fit enough to start, will probably be on the bench. And Jeremy Pino's out. So that's three big attacking talents not there for Villarreal. Whereas Liverpool will have their starting three plus Jota plus Rigi, so they should be fine. Full strength in midfield, full strength in defence, the goalkeeper's there. You would expect Liverpool to advance, but you can't write Villarreal off. They are a good team. They are uh, warranting of respect. They did beat Bayern Munich. They did beat Juventus. And they're capable of springing an upset. But if Liverpool play close to their potential they should not only win the tie, but win the game. Klopp has decisions to make, right-side centre-back, because you'd imagine, as Liverpool's team goes, Alisson is nailed on, Trent is nailed on, Van Dijk is nailed on, Robertson is nailed on, Fabinho and Thiago are nailed on, Salah is nailed on, I think Mane is nailed on. So there's three positions in the Liverpool eleven up for discussion. Now, I think the left-sided forward role has to be Diaz. When you're talking about Liverpool's best 11, it has to be Diaz. The right-side centre-back role is Matip or Canate. There are cases for both. Kanate has played the Champions League games and he has excelled in them. He offers more of a threat at set pieces as well. He's got more recovery pace. He's more physical. Matip is better on the ball and reads the game a little bit better. There's cases for both. I would expect Kanate to start tonight, but that's no knock on Joe Matip. It's just that Kanate seems to be the Champions League partner for Van Dijk. Obviously, Jota is the other option to Diaz. I think Diaz is just a much better left winger. Jota is best through the middle, but I think Mane is better than him through the middle. I think is also better off the bench or in that rotational role. Like, I would look at him as a fourth starter for three positions. Can start right, centre, or left. It's a minor drop-off in the middle, a bit of a drop-off on the left. It's a a sizable drop-off from Salah, but his goal return is immense. He doesn't offer what Salah offers in the build-up play, but his goal return is sensational. And then there's the right-sided midfield role. Now, there's Naby Keita and there's Jordan Henderson. Henderson is the captain. That's where his case lies. Keita is the better footballer and he's having a much better season. That's where his case lies. Henderson has only had one really good game as an eight this season. That was way back against Everton in the away game early in the season. The rest of his good performances, and by good I mean 7 out of 10 type performances, they've come as a number 6, such as Newcastle at the weekend, Burnley and Watford early in the season. Everton, no, uh, Manchester United away. Those were good performances. Those were 7 out of 10 performances. Those were as the number six. He's not getting in as the six because Fabinho is just much better than him there. But he has struggled massively as the right side of eight. He didn't play well in the first leg. Was given a lot of credit, obviously, because it was his attempted cross that took the big deflection and led to the first goal. But that doesn't change his performance. Or at least it shouldn't. It does in the eyes of some. But he didn't play well. Keita played the right side of the eight role against Newcastle, was the best player on the pitch by a sizable margin. Joe Gomez, anyone that really came close. Keita has been excellent all season. He's had one poor game. Atletico Madrid away. He scored a worldie in that game. Liverpool look better with Keita, Fabinho, and Thiago as the midfield. But I think tonight, I think. Henderson will start because I think he'll keep Keita for Spurs at the weekend. I think he'll want Keita, Fabinho, Thiago for the Spurs game. So I think Henderson will start tonight in that right-sided role. Should be a good game. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. Liverpool have the two-goal advantage. And then get through and you're just waiting to see what happens tomorrow night in what is a finally poised game. The other big game tonight that's gone under the radar, I feel, uh, by, with a lot of people, is Bournemouth versus Forrest in the championship. Bournemouth are second, Forest are third. There's three points between them. Forrest have a slightly better goal differential. They've scored the same amount of goals. Forest have conceded one less. Forrest have won four in a row. Bournemouth have won only two of the last five. Forrest come into this game in great form. Bournemouth has been a bit hit and miss. Now, Bournemouth looked good at the weekend. Really impressive win over Blackburn, 3-0. Solanke and two for Philip Billing. But likewise, Forrest looked unstoppable at the weekend. And slapped Swansea round the place in a 5-1 win. When Steve Cooper took over, Forrest were bottom of the league and looked like a team heading for League One. And it looked like the best Cooper could do was just keep them in the division and maybe get to the lower regions of mid-table. Instead, he's turned it around massively. Now, if we compare since Cooper took over, which I believe was after eight games, uh, 21st of September. Yes. So he his first game was the ninth game. Forrest had four points. Bournemouth already had 18 points. So That was a 14-point gap. It's now a three-point gap. Over the past 36 games, Forrest have outperformed Bournemouth by eight points. That's really impressive. No, by 11 points. Excuse me, by 11 points. That's really, really impressive. Really, really impressive. But this game is in Bournemouth tonight and Bournemouth know a draw is all they need. A draw will be good enough. Now they do have the tougher game in their final outing this weekend, that's Bournemouth. Uh, They play Millwall. Again, it's at home, but Millwall are still in with an outside shot of the playoffs. It's a very long shot. They would need Luton to lose to Reading. And they would need Middlesbrough to lose to Preston. Lose or draw with Preston. And they would need to beat Bournemouth. But it's still there. It's still possible for them. The other alternative would be Sheffield United taking a heavy defeat against Fulham. Fulham are already promoted as champions, so they'll be in party mode. But if Sheffield United lost heavily... Uh Mil- or Millwall could get in and Luton could get in. Luton got hammered 7-0 at the weekend by Fulham, by the way. Or last night, not, la- not not the weekend, last night. 7-0. This was a team, this is a team in the playoffs, and they're getting beat 7-0. That is mortifying. Uh so part of me thinks Luton should uh, wouldn't be in any way sympathetic for them if they did drop out. When you lose 7-0, you're just an embarrassment. Um My hope is that Forrest win. Because I want to see Forrest back in the Premier League. Their last game is against Hull. It's an away game, but Hull aren't very good. And Forrest should win that one comfortably. So my hope is that Forrest win tonight, beat Hull and come up automatically. Because I don't know, the playoffs are just such a lottery that I don't know that you can rely on the playoffs. Now Bournemouth, I think, are better positioned to come up through the playoffs than Forrest because Parker's already been through the playoffs and won it once, whereas Steve Cooper has fallen short in the playoffs in two seasons before at at, uh, Swansea. My actual hope is that Forrest come up and Huddersfield come up because Huddersfield play really nice football and I've really enjoyed the bits of them that I've seen this season. Their manager is only young guy He's only been there, what, two seasons? Corberon, is this two seasons? Or three? Three seasons. No, it is two seasons. Yeah, he's only been there two seasons. Uh, I was unsure of him, I have to say. Uh, But he has done a very, very good job. He was working with Leeds under Bielsa. Huddersfield took the chance on him. I thought Danny Cowley had warranted being kept in the job. Last season did not go well for Huddersfield. They were an absolute mess. But this season they've just been tremendous. You know, last season they finished 20th, barely survived. This season they're playing outstanding football, and the results are going their way. And they haven't done it by spending a bunch of money. They've they've brought in some smart loans but they've just scouted really well and picked up players off the fringes, picked up good free transfers that have paid off for them. There's no star names. There's no, you know, one guy carrying the team. It's, it's a group effort here. Danny Ward is having a career year for them, but outside of him, there's no one that's really... Blown away the competition. They're just a team that works really hard for each other, defends fairly well, scores enough goals to win games and, and grinds things out. So I'd like to see Huddersfield up. I thought it was good when they were in the division the last time. It was just, you know, something different. But look, I'd love to see Luton come up even with the 7 even with the 7 0. Because Kenilworth Road is just fun. And I think I think there'd be quite a lot of crying from the Premier League elite at the thoughts of a trip to Kenilworth Road. Um but yeah, we need we, we need a forest win tonight. That's what we need. We need a forest win tonight. We need forest up automatically, and then the playoffs will play out how they do. Uh, but two good games tonight. The the Bournemouth Forest game kicks off at 7. So if you want to watch it, you get the first half in, then you can get 15 minutes of build-up for the liverpool v Real game, watch it, and maybe watch the second half of Bournemouth Forest later on. Or you could just watch the entirety of Bournemouth Forest and then watch the liverpool v Real second half, depending on what your preference would be. But I would advise you, if you can, if you get a chance, do watch that Bournemouth Forest game. I think it will be it will be a good game. Um, there's not a whole lot of news. Players are leaving clubs because contracts are up. Managers are leaving clubs because they're not very good or their contracts are up or they've decided to go somewhere else. It's all that weird part of the season where there's a lot of mumbling and grumbling but not a whole lot of action. So what I'm just going to do, I'm going to catch up with the last four days of gossip and that will do us for today. Uh, Barcelona will turn to Romelu Lukaku in their search for a striker. He is believed to be their their plan C. There's a way to boost a guy's confidence. You're not the guy we wanted. You're not even the second guy we wanted, but you're the third guy we wanted. Uh, they can't afford Romelu Lukaku, so no. Manchester City may consider the, for, the the sale of Ford Riyad Mahrez this summer. Probably the right time to sell him, where he's coming off a good half, second half of the season. He has scored a lot of goals now, many of them sort of meaningless goals. From City, are already up two and three nil, uh, but and he has stat pad with penalties. But he is obviously a very very good player. Is Mahrez? He's had a contract in twenty twenty three. And given his age, I doubt City will be all that keen to extend him. So they'll probably sell him and then claim that's how they could affer- afford to buy Erling Haaland. Uh, in funny Riyad Mara's news, uh, someone took away his verified tick on Twitter. So he, uh, he tweeted Elon Musk asking for it back. Um, Arsenal and Newcastle have joined the race to sign Paolo de Bala. I still think he's going to Inter Milan. Arsenal have offered Nicolas Pepe to another Premier League club. Nicolas Pepe is a good player, but unless Arsenal are willing to take a massive loss, I think he's just staying there. Pep Guardiola will not rush to extend his contract. He's out a contract at the end of the next season. There's been a lot of talk that he might want to take a break and then go to international football. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Manchester United you know, are focused on extend as Manchester City rather are focused on extending Phil Foden's contract. Um, yeah, well, why wouldn't you be? I mean, Foden is an outstanding young player. What I will say is that Peter Crouch's uh, ponderance of whether Foden or Salah was Player of the Year is one of the more nonsensical things I've heard all season. Gary Neville says. Ralph Rangnick should not take on a consultancy role at the club, having accepted the chance to manage Austria. He is not going to be a consultant. His company are going to consult for Manchester United. Leeds United and England midfielder Calvin Phillips is set to change his agent in a bid to secure a move away. Um, I have doubts. Phillips would reject a move to Manchester United out of loyalty to his boyhood club leads. I do believe that. Uh, Liverpool could move for Jude Bellingham. Yeah, I mean, another keen, but I he's not going to leave this this summer. I just don't see him leaving this summer. I think next summer is the summer of Bellingham. Lazio are considering a move for Ruben Loftus cheek. Syria would suit him. It would. And if they sell malinkovic Savage, you could see him fitting in there. Uh, Brighton manager Graham Potter inspe- intends to speak to Shane Duffy about his future when the season is over. Well, the answer is to sell him. He's rebuilt some of his value this season, so sell him. Potter and Roberto Mancini are on Tottenham's managerial shortlist, and Antonio Conte leave the club. Uh, they might want to get a better list. Napoli are set to move for Aaron Hickey. Bologna put an eighteen million pound price tag on the player. Very, very good player. If, if there was a smart person running Everton, Everton would try and sign him. If they stay up, of course. Because Michaelenko is a left, left centre-back in a three. Godfrey's a right centre-back in a three. Mina in the middle of a three would be strong. And then Patterson is, and Hickey as wing-backs would be something you can build on for the long term. Uh, Liverpool fans have moved to tweak the words of a chant to feature the name of Jurgen Klopp's wife after the German revealed she was key in his decision to extend. Uh, Arsenal right back Cedric Soares has no intention of leaving, despite reported interest from Newcastle. Nonsense. And a bid from Porto. He's not going to leave because he's on good money. Uh, Newcastle will bid to make Matty Targets move a permanent one. That makes sense. Southampton and Fulham are among the clubs interested in Cameron Carter-Vickers. I don't think he's good enough to play in the Premier League. I've watched a lot of them this season. I think he's a good championship-level defender. I think he's been really good with Celtic. I just don't think he's a Premier League-calibre defender. I think he's a championship-level defender, which is what plays well in the Scottish Premiership. So I think those clubs would be better off spending the money elsewhere. Barcelona are set to make a move for Celta Vigo, Spanish left-back Xavi Gallen. A good player, but he doesn't really move the needle. Um, Manchester City believe Pep Guardiola will sign a new deal in the summer. We'll wait and see. United and City are both interested in James Ward-Prowse. I can't see it. I genuinely can't see it. I don't see him at Arsenal. Uh, Newcastle I could see. I don't see him at Spurs. He's not good enough to start in midfield for any of those clubs, other than Newcastle. Now, he could start as a right-back for City in some games. Um, Ten Hag, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Maybe, again, maybe right-back. and Again, for Arsenal, for Tottenham, maybe right-back, but he's not getting in their teams in midfield. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo could return to Real Madrid. Who cares? Genuinely, who cares? Manchester City and Manchester United are also competing to sign Pau Torres. I can see it for United, although I still don't think they'll sign an 80 a 60 million pound centre back when they've got an 80 million pound captain who plays left side centre back. But maybe, maybe under Ten Hag, they can just wipe the slate clean. Um I I have a tough time seeing City go for him when they have. Laporte, who's better than them, and Nathan Aki, who's not as good, but he's a left-sided centre-back. Eric Ten Hag wants to sign Feyenoord left-back Tyrell Malesia for the Old Trafford club. United already have two left-backs. I'm not sure left-back is going to be a big priority this season. Chelsea are, one, are worried that Mason will leave the club under current government sanctions. The Blues cannot offer him a new contract with Liverpool and Manchester City supposedly interested. I can absolutely see Liverpool being interested in him. Um, he is, he does profile well. Is the contract doesn't run out till twenty twenty four though, so I just don't see that they won't get timed to a new contract. Uh, Borussia Dortmund chief executive Hans Joachim Watzke. Says the club beat Manchester United to the signing of Erling Haaland in 2019 because they were prepared to put a release clause, which means he was looking for a stepping stone, uh, which means he viewed United as a potential stepping stone, which it, does, it isn't good for United. Chelsea will look to offer Rhys James a new contract once they have new owners in place. I'd imagine him and Mount will be the two priorities. Um, Dutch midfielder Frankie de Jong has been linked at Manchester United but Xavi says that De Jong is the present and the future at Barcelona. Usman Dembele has a more lucrative contract offer from PSG than from Barca, but his preference is to stay at Barcelona. Real Madrid will take up their 33.5 million buyback option, Sergio Regulon, I like him. He's not worth that type of money. I think Spurs would actually be happy if that happened, uh, because I think they can go and replace him for substantially less. Wolves are open to selling Ruben Neves. I don't see it. I think he could leave, but I don't see them in open to selling. Crystal Palace are closing in on Lenz and Mali midfielder, Cech de really good player. Really aggressive defensive midfielder. I do really like him. He'd be a great signing for Palace. Uh, Everton are interested in James Tarkovsky. Uh, you could see it. You could see it. Crystal Palace, Watford, and Fulham are monitoring Cologne's 25 year old uh, German defender, Timo Hubers. He's also been linked with Leeds. He's a decent player, whatever. He, he'd be fine for any of those bottom half clubs. He's not joining Watford because they're going to be a championship team. Uh, Newcastle have offered Sean Longstaff a four year contract. If I was him, I wouldn't sign it. To be honest, you're not going to play. Not nearly regularly enough. Get yourself out of there. AC Milan have agreed a deal to sign Renato Sanchez for about €20 million, with €5 million added on. Uh, That would be a great signing for for AC Milan, as long as he stays fit. Uh, Sven Botman, who's been linked with Newcastle and Milan, says he expects this to be his last season at Lille. I think he's going to Milan as well. England striker Marcus Rashford has been linked with leaving Manchester United but will get the chance to prove himself under Eric Ten Hag. Jesse Lingard could all stay at the club. Jesse Lingard is not staying. If you saw what his brother said last night, there's not a hope he's staying. He's gone. Uh, And Rashford, uh, I think he should try to leave if he can. (coughs) Even on loan, a year's loan would would do him the world a good. Um, Brazilian defender Gabriel, of Arsenal is a target for Juventus. I'm guessing Gabriel is due a new contract. I'm guessing that's what's going on here, that his agent is linking him to Barcelona and to um, to Juventus. James Milner has been offered a one-year contract at Liverpool. Now, this is by Luke Edwards, who's the Newcastle reporter of The Telegraph. So I'm going to put that one in the bin. Uh, he might get a new contract, but I still have doubts. Barcelona have denied meeting with Robert Lewandowski's agent, probably to avoid getting done with for tapping up. Yuri Telemans is of interest to Real Madrid. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. Good player. Not sure he's good enough to play for Real, but a good player. Uh, Declan Rice. Has been linked with Chelsea, Manchester City, and Manchester United, but says it's important not to get carried away with that. Yeah, I think United are probably his only option this summer if he does want to leave. United said the senior scout to watch Ruben Neves play for Wolves. I I doubt that they did because he wasn't expected to play. And if they need to scout him at this point, then He's not the one for them. Juventus have offered Jorginho a return to Syria. He should go. He's not very good anymore. Marcus Alonso is one of the options for Barcelona, trying to be as cheap as possible. Tottenham will not look to sign Pierluigi Gallini at the end of his loan because he hasn't been good. Uh, William Saliba, who is on loan at Marseille, says he is keen to remain in France next season. Napoli have set their sights on Armando Broglie with the Italian having impressed while on Lona at Hampton. I don't believe that one. Not unless they're selling a Simeon. Reading's interim manager, Paul Ince, who saved... This is great. Who saved the championship side from relegation this week. Like, Jesus, Lord, what? Well. They... No. No, I'm sorry. Just no. Like, they've lost three of their last five. When did it take over? The 19th of February. They've lost six, drawn three, and won three. I'm sorry, he didn't save them from anything. If they'd been going down, they'd still be going down. Luckily for them, Derby had all of the points deducted. Peterborough were inept and Barnsley were inept. Otherwise, Reading would be going down. So, no, he doesn't get credit for keeping them up. I'm sorry. Manchester United will have a free run at Deckton Rice, with rivals focusing on strengthening other areas. There's no rivals for him. City don't want him. Liverpool don't want him. And Chelsea can't buy anything. Everton would accept 50 million for Richarlison. I bet they would. I, I bet they would. For that 30 million pound player. I bet they would. Arsenal have renewed interest in Latour Martinez. I don't see it. I just don't see him as the fit there. The Gunners will announce New England Revolution and United States goalkeeper Matt Turner as a summer signing. That one's been done for months. Everyone knows that. Uh, Juventus and AC Milan lead the race to sign Jesse Linkard. no they don't no they don't not at all uh, Chelsea and Spain defenders Cesar Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso want to rejoin Barcelona I, I want to join Barcelona as well but they, they won't take me uh, Tottenham have targeted Josco Gvardiol and Alessandro Bastoni as summer additions at centre back Gvardiol is realistic Bastoni is not uh, but Stoney's just not a realistic move for them at this summer. Conrad Lamer is a target for Tottenham and Liverpool. Understandably, he's an absolute monster when it comes to pressing. Sergei Malinkovic-Savage has been discussed as a possible target for United and PSG. I don't see him going to either this summer. He'd be an awful fit at United with Bruno. Um, and I just don't know how you put him in that PSG team. Leeds will not make Calvin Phillips a new contract offer until June. I'm not sure what that is meant to imply. Probably waiting to see if they go down or not, I suppose. Ajax uh, will reignite their interest in Stephen Bergwijn, who said he's open to leaving the club. Understandable. Paul Dummett is set to sign a new contract in Newcastle. has to be a quota thing because he's not, not good enough to play in the Premier League. Norwich just said to sell Max Ahrens. There'll be a queue of clubs for him. Uh, Barcelona will not sign Adama Traore permanently in the summer. Uh, they have suggested that they might. It's from Marca, which are which is basically a Madrid fanzine, so who knows. Uh, Tottenham, Leeds and Fulham are interested in Derby's former England number no. 16 winger Malcolm Abue. Poor Derby, just getting decimated. Uh, newly promoted Fulham want to sign Victor Giorquez from Coventry. He has had a really good run of things there. Um, Brighton gave up on him. I I didn't really understand it. But uh, he's done really, really well at Coventry this season. 17 goals in 46 games across all competitions. It's his first big scoring season, other than when he was playing in what I can only imagine is the second division. Yeah, it's the second division in Sweden he did score 13 goals in 30 games but I would say you might be best to let him have another year in the championship before trying to bring him to the Premier League Uh, that's it that will do me for today folks goodbye take care of yourselves enjoy the game tonight and uh, I'll speak to you tomorrow bye-bye Network.